Please turn with me in your copies of God's Word to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. And just before I read this, I'd like, I'd like you to watch out for the similarities in Jonah's prayer with the Psalms. Jonah quotes the Psalms at least 10 times. And this shows us the importance of the scriptures in the uh, life of the believer. Because this is how Jonah uses the word of God when he's in distress. Jonah chapter 2. I'll read the passage. Then we're going to consider the whole chapter, verse 1 to verse 10. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again, I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Bow with me as we pray once more. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to us in granting that we have the privilege of hearing your word. And Lord, even though we might never have um, an audience with the kings of this earth, we have an audience with you every every day and every Lord's day we have an opportunity to hear what you have for us in your word and so we pray for <clears throat> for our hearts we pray that you would help us to to receive your word with meekness to to take it and embrace it and live by it to the praise and glory of your name and for the good of our souls we pray, O oh Father, that your spirit would be at work in our hearts. Or the flowers fade, um, <clears throat> the grass with us, but your word will remain forever. So grant that we would, we would uh, pay careful attention to it as it is brought to us. Uh, please grant both the hearers and the preacher much grace that we all will be blessed by your word and that your name would be glorified in our midst. Help us now, Lord, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
men. Just before I jump into the prayer of Jonah in Luke chapter 15 Jesus gives a parable and there's this man who has two sons and the younger of them says to his father uh, give me my share of the property I, I want to go I want to enjoy my my monies I want to enjoy my inheritance and so this young son uh, takes his belongings he takes his inheritance and he he goes he lives into what the Bible calls a far country and then we are told because of the foolishness of his youth he squanders his inheritance he squanders his property in reckless living and he spends everything and then in God's providence a severe famine comes upon the land and this young man is in trouble you know he he looks for a job he cannot find a job he 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 he, he does not know his right from his left he is eating with the pigs and at once he comes back to his senses and the bible says when he came to himself he said how many how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread what am i doing and he decides to go back to his father he says i will rise and go to my father and i will say to him that i have sinned against him i have done that which is wrong and evil and then hopefully my father will take me back in now what we have here in jonah chapter 2 is almost the same thing uh just that jonah had the word of the lord and he neglected it and he decided to go on his own way to do his own things and then trouble befalls him wherever he is I'd like you to see four points from the passage in front of us this evening in jonah chapter 2 now <clears throat> the way the way the the, the passage is, is written it's, it's written in form of a prayer and so it, it's a bit hard to kind of come come up with an outline because prayer is spontaneous when you when you pray before god you're not you do not structure your your prayers uh, more often than not we we just pray we call upon god we lift our voices to him and that's the same thing with the prayer of jonah but then i've tried to divide it in ways that you'd be able to understand it and the title of the sermon this this afternoon is salvation belongs to the lord and i am not a genius i i get this from the text verse 9 salvation belongs to the lord but then i've divided it into four subpoints <clears throat> and they being number 1 true salvation begins with prayer from verse 1 to verse 3 and then number 2 true salvation desires communion with god and this we see in verse 4 and verse 7 and then number 3 true salvation hopes in god from verses 5 6 and verse 8 and then number 4 true salvation recognizes that sal- salvation belongs to god from verse 9 and 
So number one, true salvation begins with prayer. Please look with me there in verse 1 to verse 3. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, crying, or saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Now, now let me start here by saying that backsliders are well known by their giving up of prayer. And this is what we saw with Jonah. You see, there's, there's nothing from the text that tells us that Jonah had prayed earlier when the captain of the sheep required him to pray. We saw there in verse 6 of chapter 1, the <clears throat> captain saying to him, Arise, call to your God. You know, the sheep is sinking. You cannot be sleeping. Wake up and pray. We have nothing there that gives us assurance that Jonah actually prayed. We are just told that the, the captain of the sheep tells him to wake up and pray. But nothing gives us the indication that Jonah prays. It's not as though Jonah was willing to repent. As he's being woken up by the captain of the sheep, it's not as though he's come to the point where he's, he wants now to repent of his sins. No, no. And so, I'd like to ask you a question here. When, when was the last time that you prayed? That you really prayed? Do you wrestle with God every day? Or, or would you only pray when you get into the belly of the fish, as it were? When was the last time that you prayed? And this, this, this would be the question that Jonah would be asked. My friend. Or he would ask himself. When, when was the last time that I prayed? You know, <clears throat> one of the surest marks that one is a backslider, like Jonah here, is that he or she gave up praying a long time ago. If you gave up praying a long time ago, you're a backslider. You're like Jonah. Now, until, until Jonah was ready to do the will of God in going to Nineveh, he was not willing to pray. When one is unwilling to do the will of God in one way, they should not deceive themselves that they, they, they will do the will of God in another area. Jonah was not willing to go to Nineveh and consequently he was not willing to pray. Now sin, whatever kind it may be, uh, will very easily choke prayer in your life. It is J.C. Ryle who has famously said, praying and sinning will never live together in the same heart. Prayer will consume sin or sin will choke prayer. And I'd, like, I'd, like to, I'd like to engage your mind a, a lot here and your heart and, and, and ask you, do, do you have trouble praying sometimes? Are you struggling to call upon God in, in prayer in your life as a Christian? I submit to you that this is because of unconfessed sin, unsubmissiveness to God. Unconfessed sin is causing it. It's causing you not to pray. Unconfessed sin is choking prayer in your life. And this is what we see in Jonah's life. But look at Jonah now. He finally prays. The Bible tells us there in verse 1 that then Jonah prayed 
Then he prayed. Look at verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And when he's down there, when he's in that dark place, the Bible tells us there in verse 1 of chapter 2, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Dear saints, um, dear backslider, see that even when the Lord is disciplining you, you may call on him and he will hear you. Even when you're in that dark place, like Jonah was, God will hear you when you call upon him. One could say that Jonah was at his lowest place. He was at his darkest place. Jonah was down there, if you will. He was, he was at a bad state. But see that he calls out to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He is God. You see, God has not, God has not abandoned him. God has not uh, 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 said that Jonah is no longer my prophet. The Bible tells us that Jonah prayed to the Lord. He is God. God is still Jonah's God. And so then Jonah calls upon the name of the Lord. True salvation, my dear friends, begins with prayer. Look at verse 2. Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Jonah is in his circumstance uh, calling out to the Lord. In, in, his, in his situation, he calls out to God. Out of his distress, he cries out to God. What stops you, dear saint, from calling upon the name of the Lord? What stops you, my brethren, from seeing that salvation belongs to the Lord and thereafter running to Him? Nothing. There's nothing that is stopping you from going to God in prayer. What stops you, dear Christian, from calling out to the Lord? Cry out to Him and He will hear you. Jonah says, he says there in verse 2, that out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Cry out to God and He will hear you. He will answer you. Jonah says there that, that he called out to the Lord out of his distress and the Lord answered him. And so learn from Jonah, learn from this prayer of Jonah that salvation begins with prayer. For you to be restored as a Christian uh, where you have uh, left the will of God and abandoned it, restoration begins with prayer. Salvation begins with prayer. Remember that we have had two sermons titled Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, uh, Providence of God, sorry. And, and what we see here in verse, in, in verse 3, if you look at, me, uh, look, uh, look at, look at that verse with me there, um, <clears throat> is an acknowledgement that God is the sovereign God of providence. And so Jonah cries out to God and God answers him. And Jonah continues to acknowledge there in verse 3 that God is the sovereign God of providence. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Now, Jonah knows that God is in control even over his distress. He knows that whatever he's going through, God is in control of it. God is sovereign over it. Notice there that God is the one who had cast, cast him into the sea. Even though through the activity of the marinas, Jonah acknowledges that God is the one that throws him into, into the sea. Notice there that the waves belong to God. He says, all your waves and your billows passed over me. God is in control of everything. 
my friends. And when he says there in verse 9 that salvation belongs to, to the Lord, Jonah knows what, exactly what he's saying. He knows that God is sovereign over everything. Everything that happens to us happens for a reason. It happens under the sovereign uh, 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 watch of God in the providences of God. You and I are never abandoned into a world of coincidences or chances or luck. You and I remain under the superintendence of the sovereign rule of the skies, the Lord of heaven and earth. I'd like to pause here and say that everything in your life as a Christian um, providentially worked the way it worked for you to become a Christian, for you to be saved. Now, if you're an unbeliever here this afternoon, everything that happens in your life happens so that God may point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're being seated there is so that you may hear that Christ is the Savior. You're going out and you're coming in is so that you may see the works of God and turn to, to Him. So that you may know that God exists and repent of your sins and turn to Him. Whether you're a Christian, salvation begins with prayer. Whether you're an unbeliever, you must repent of your sins. And the way you do that begins with prayer. We see there from, um, <clears throat> from, from that first verse to the third one that Jonah has this starting point. And his starting point is calling out to the Lord and praying. And this is what we are considering here. The unbeliever must pray. Realize that the prayer of the unbeliever is an abomination to the Lord. Then believers should, should, should not be praying. Because when they pray, they are an abomination to God. But then, on the one hand, when they pray, they sin. And when they don't pray, they sin even more. The only prayer that God will hear of the unbeliever is, Have mercy on me, a sinner. Save me, O my Lord. And even the Christian must go to God when they have departed from His will and pray, have mercy on me, O Lord, my God. Jonah says there, I, I cried out to the Lord out of my distress and He answered me. He heard my, my pleas for mercy. Number two, true salvation desires communion with God. Verse 4 and verse 7. Look with me there at verse 4 and verse 7. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. Verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. It is important to notice there, uh, in, the, in, the, in the second place, that true salvation desires communion with God. Jonah, we are told, there in chapter 1 verse 3, rose to flee to Tashish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tashish, so he paid the fare and went down, uh, went down into, into it to go with them to Tashish, away from what? Away from the presence of the Lord. And so Jonah is actively running away from, from that which would uh, remind him of his God. Jonah is, is trying as much as he can to run away from the countenance 
of God. That which would make him aware of his call and commission. But since he is, he is now praying, he is desiring communion with God again. The communion with God that he was running away from, the countenance of God that he was running away from, the presence of the Lord uh, that we saw there from verse 3 that he was running away from, he is now desiring it. You know, notice there that Jonah is not even concerned about his present condition. You know, like he is about his not communing with the Lord. In other words, Jonah does not pray, Lord, remove me from this situation. If you and I would be in, in such a situation, or when we, get, <clears throat> when we get into a tough situation, what's the first thing that we pray for? God, remove me from this hard situation. Remove me from this trouble. Notice there that this is not Jonah's concern. Jonah is not concerned that he, he, he should now be removed from the belly of the fish. No. Jonah uh, is concerned for communion with God. You know? And even though it would not be wrong for him to, to pray like this, his utmost desire is that his communion with God would be restored. So he says there in verse 4, Then I say that I am driven away from your sight. I'm, 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 I'm away from your presence. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. This is, this is his greatest desire. Jonah knows that he's driven away from God's sight and therefore he seeks to come back. Jonah wanted to escape the presence of, of God. Now he has, as it were, tasted what it means to be away from the presence of the Lord. Having realized this situation, what does Jonah do? He turns to God. He turns to God's most holy place says there yet i shall again uh, I, I shall again look upon your holy temple verse 7 when my life was fainting away i remembered the lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple and this is what jonah most desires oh palmer robertson says here quote <clears throat> what boldness what audacity Cannot he see that he is totally unworthy to approach the holy place of the Lord? Doesn't the judgment of God on his life indicate that he ought to turn inward to himself rather than outward to the Lord? If a sinning, selfish, loveless, disobedient servant of the Lord under the Old Testament has such boldness in approaching uh, the very God he has offended, how much more should you approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness? End quote. And, and Palmer Robertson is asking there, how much more uh, uh, confidence should we have when we, are, when we are approaching God? Because when we are approaching God, we are not approaching God looking to His holy temple in Jerusalem. When we are approaching God, we are approaching Him through the name of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is able to hear us. God is willing to hear us. And God is able to do that which we could not do for ourselves. When you're being disciplined by your Heavenly Father, admit you're wrong and go back to Him. See what Jonah does. He, he knows that he's wrong. He goes back to God. And he's, he throws himself at the masses of God. And you too, dear saint, you are to throw yourself at the masses of God. Do not, do not wallow in your sins. Do not wallow in your disobedience. 
When you look to yourself, all you will find is weakness and unworthiness. Rather, you ought to look to God. Look at what Jonah says there in verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. There you must leave your case. There before God you, you must be found, dear saint. Remember the Lord. Look up. Look up to the Lord. Look up to God. And there you will find refuge. Let your prayer go up to God. Like Jonah. Jonah says, my prayer came up to you. And you, dear saint, you will do well to let your prayer go up to God. You are to put your entire trust in the mercies of God. As it is found in the death of Jesus Christ. Because God is merciful. He is able to show mercy and grace to you on the account of Christ, then you're to put your entire trust in Him. Because you're rebellious, you're to go back to Him. You're to come with a new commitment to submit this time to the will of the Lord. If you have been running away from God, you're to come back to the will of God. Albert Martin says here that as surely as forfeited communion with God is the sin of the backslider, so restoration to that communion is the great burden of his return. As surely as forfeited communion with God is the sin of the backslider, so restoration to that communion is the great burden of his return. True salvation desires communion with God. While Jonah knows that the temple is in Jerusalem, and uses that to look back to God, you, dear saints, have a new and living way into the real holy, holy temple, which is in heaven. By faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you may approach the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly temple, through Christ. And you have to do that quickly. And there, my dear brethren, you will find God reigning in power. You'll find God reigning in His sovereign grace. And the encouragement for you is to go, go, go to Him. Now, the unbeliever ought to know that when they are running away from God, punishment in hell is not the worst thing that will happen to them. The worst thing that will happen to them is that God will turn His face away from them. The, 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 when we evangelize to sinners we are essentially telling them turn from your sin and turn where? turn to Christ go to God it's not so much the blessings of God that we are interested in as sinners as God himself we are, we are mostly uh, 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 wanting to be with God we are mostly desiring God's presence and you who is an unbeliever here this, this afternoon, you ought to turn from your sin and turn to God. Communion with God is the ultimate goal, even for the unbeliever, that they may be with God because they are alienated from God. They are enemies of God, those who have not repented of their sins and turned to Christ. If you have not done that this afternoon, you are a sinner. You are alienated from God. You are God's enemy. God opposes you. And the thing for you to do this afternoon is turn to Him and know that you're, you're not in communion with Him and therefore go to Him. Ask for forgiveness. Now let me speak to you again, uh, dear Christian, this afternoon. 
you're not to despair you're not to give up you're not to give in you may feel as though your sin is worse than Jonah's you may think that God has cast you off you may feel like you you're in a darker place than the belly of the fish you may even feel and fear that you have missed God's will for your life because of your disobedience because of what you've done but the truth is there is hope there is hope because God is willing to restore and even better God is able to restore and that is why Jonah is coming to God that is why Jonah is crying to God and you ought to look to God too you ought to look to him go back to his holy temple as it were do do it right now even because because you know what true salvation desires communion with God so so turn your eyes to the Lord for communion with him go to him go to him true salvation hopes in God number 3 true salvation hopes in God verse 5 6 and verse 8 look with me there the waters closed in over me to take my life the deep surrounded me weeds uh, were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains i went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever yet you brought up my life from the pit o lord my god verse 8 those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love see with me there that true salvation hopes in god even though things may be surrounding surrounding you Jonah tells us here that even though his surroundings were not the f- most favorable he had hope in God ask ask yourself these questions with me please why did the lord bother with Jonah why did he not simply find another servant to do the job you see god would have done away with Jonah and he would be completely right and just God would have appointed another messenger and that would have been okay. After all, he is the sovereign one. But notice there my dear brothers and sisters, God brought Jonah back so that he might display the immeasurable greatness of his power toward his people. God brought uh, brought Jonah back so that he may display the riches of his grace. and god is well able to to display the immeasurable power of his greatness the riches of his grace to you as well the life of jonah would embody the mercy of god which is what god had shown to the mariners and this is the same thing that god would do to the ninevites you see god will judge every sinner without partiality make no mistake my dear friends god is the judge of all the earth he will judge every sinner everyone will get what they deserve no one will escape the hand of god everyone for their sins will get what they deserve but then god is also merciful and is able to grant mercy by the activity of his only begotten son and this is why we rejoice in salvation this is why we rejoice in christ because even though we deserve hell even though we deserve god's punishment the bible tells us that god is merciful god is merciful because of Christ because of what Christ accomplished upon the cross Jonah's life testified to the fact that God is righteous and merciful at the same time he was found guilty 
he incurred the consequences of his of his sin but also obtained mercy from God he also obtained the grace of God he says there in verse 5 and 6 the waters closed in over me to take my life the consequences of Jonah's sins are following him. The, the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. And then he says, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. He shows there that God judges sin in righteousness to the point of death. And God in mercy restores the sinner to life and service now god is not going to let sin slide god is going to punish every sinner for their sin and this is why the lord jesus christ is the most precious because when we run to him our sin is forgiven our sin is covered our guiltiness is removed it's taken away the salvation that Jonah obtains was completely hoping in God because true salvation hopes in God. He says there that it is God who brought up his life from the pit. His hope is evidently in God because of what he says there in verse 8. Look with me there at verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. It is as though he is there saying, be careful where you place your hope. Because those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. Because true salvation hopes in God. Steadfast love is found in God and not in idols. And this is what the mariners found out. That steadfast love is found in God and not in their idols that they were calling upon. And so then those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Isn't this what they... they the unbeliever does the unbeliever hopes in their idols you know he pays regard to vain things like money and sin you know the unbeliever pays regard to worthless things that will that will end when their life ends when they die and so then they pay regard to vain idols and when they do this the bible says they forsake the hope of steadfast love they, they forsake their hope of steadfast love they cannot find the love of God in those vain things in those vain idols and this is what I'd like you to notice this afternoon that you who is a Christian your hope is not in idols your hope should not be in idols you should not pay regard to vain idols because when you do that, you forsake hope of steadfast love. The unbeliever is being told, turn from your vain idols. He is, as it were being told, your vain idols will not save you. Turn from them. If you continue clinging upon them, you will die. Because you forsake the hope of steadfast love. And so turn to Christ. Turn to Him. Hear Him calling. Come to Him. All you sinners, come you sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus is ready, standing to save you. He is full of pity, love and power. He is able, he is able, he is willing. Doubt no more. 
And Spurgeon gives the story of his conversion. <clears throat> and as he was seated in the pew, the preacher pointed at him and told him, Young man, you are in trouble. I'd like to tell you the, this afternoon, if, if, you're, if you've not come to Christ, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because you're at war with God. And when death snatches you, there's no turning back. There's no coming back. Number four and lastly, true salvation recognizes that salvation belongs to God. True salvation recognizes that salvation belongs to God. Verses 9 and 10. Look at verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. These final words that Jonah says in his prayer shows his reflection on the nature of true saving faith, true salvation. It is only true saving faith in God that can deliver one from the disciplining hand of a loving Heavenly Father. When God is chastening you, if you have true saving faith, if you have true faith, if you have been truly saved, you will trust God and cling to Him with all that you have. You will be thankful like Jonah. You know, Jonah was thankful. You know, for the deeds of the Lord are good. He says there, I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. Jonah could easily be angry at God. You know, for making him go through all that misery, in quotes. The misery of being, going into uh, the sea and, and being swallowed by this great fish. Jonah could easily be angry with God, be ang angry at God. But Jonah gives thanks in acknowledgement that salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah knows that whatever he's going through now, God is saving him. God is saving him from himself, from his sins. Notice there that the way true sal uh, 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 there that the way true salvation, true saving faith recognizes that salvation belongs to God is by keeping its word. Jonah says, "What I have vowed, I will pay." Jonah is a Christian, and therefore he must live for, for his God. He is a prophet of God, and therefore he must serve. He's God. And so he says there in verse, verse 9, What I have vowed, I will pay. So then, true salvation, true saving faith, recognizes that salvation belongs to God by keeping His word. We were told this morning that we are, not to, we, we are not to make vows for the sake of making vows. Our yes should be yes, and no should be no. Christians should not be liars. And Jonah has vowed, and he says there that he will what he has vowed, he will pay. So because he's a Christian, he will live for God. He must live for God. Because he's a prophet of God, he must serve his God. He must go to Nineveh. The very place that he was running away from, he must go there now. He must, he must do that which is vowed to God. Because he's a prophet of God, he's vowed to do everything that God tells him to do. When God says something, Jonah is bound to say, Thus saith the Lord. So he says there, that what I have vowed, I will 
paid. Now, you have made a vow to the Lord. If you're a Christian here this afternoon, you too have made a vow. As a believer, you've said that you will live for Christ as a Christian. You have vowed to turn from sin. You have vowed to walk in righteousness. And the exhortation there is, keep your word. Keep your word. Of course, depending on God's grace, keep your word. And this is, this is, this is the way your salvation will be seen to be true. When Jonah exclaims there that salvation belongs to the Lord, he is acknowledging that it is God alone who can save. No one else. That God alone can grant deliverance to his backslidden child. It's not only that salvation belongs to God means that God is the owner and the custodian of salvation. It's also that you as a Christian, in your backslidden state, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord who is able to take you from that, that state. It's the, Lord who is able to, uh, uh, it's the Lord alone who is able to pull you out of that situation. Because why? Because salvation belongs to the Lord. And ultimately, it means that no one else has taken the wrath of God upon himself but God. And this is why Jesus being God is absolutely important. Because only God can take the wrath of God and survive. The way, the way God has done this is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 11.36 that from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Therefore, salvation is from the Lord, through the Lord, and it belongs to the Lord. Jonah is here saying that if the Lord does not save me, no one else can save me. The psalmist says the same thing in Psalm chapter 3 verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. If you're a Christian here this afternoon, you've been saved by God. And in all your distresses, it's God who will save you. If you're an unbeliever, you cannot be saved apart from God. You're dead in your trespasses, and the only thing that you can do is cry out to God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. So turn to Him. Verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Again, we, we have a witness of the Lord commanding His creation, and, and it, bows, it bows to Him. His creatures do His bidding. When God says, do this, His creatures follow. Just as He spoke and creation came into being, He now speaks to the fish. And the fish uh, drops off Jonah at the shore, upon the dry land. Jonah is, as it were, being, being told, now go and serve your king. Go and live for your king. His running from God has now come to an end. And this is after he has made that astounding statement that salvation belongs to the Lord. He's now ready to receive the word of the Lord as we're going to see next week, Lord willing. The encouragement for you, Christian, is to turn to God. Turn to God now with a renewed intent to do His will. Leave your, leave your disobedience. Hear the will of God and do it. Turn to God now and you will find that He is willing 
and ready to take you in. The encouragement for the unbeliever is to look to the greater Jonah, greater than Jonah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is able to save. No one is able to save apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no name that has been given in heaven above or on the earth beneath or below the sea that is able to save anyone other than the name of Jesus Christ. And if you do not bow your knee to Christ now, Christ is going to to break your knees when he comes back because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So then, I'd like to finish there by saying that when the Bible says salvation belongs to the Lord, it's essentially telling us that God is such a merciful God. If salvation was dependent upon you, dear saint, you would not be saved because you would not be able to fulfill the righteous requirements of God's law. But praise the Lord that salvation belongs to Him. Let's pray. Oh Heavenly Father, we bow before You. And oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear to Him. What a privilege we have to carry everything to Him in prayer. And when we do not do this, we, we forfeit peace. We carry needless pain. And we see this through the example of Jonah. When, when he was running away from your will, he was, he was carrying needless pain, forfeiting peace in, in this sticky, sticky situation, rocky situation, because he would not do your will, because he would not even come to you in prayer. We thank you now that we can come to you. We thank you that salvation belongs to you. Not only for the unbeliever, but also for the saint who is running away from your will. So please help us, Lord, to depend upon you, to trust in you, to look to you, to fix our gaze upon you, to cry out to you because you're willing to hear, you're able to hear us. And may you be glorified in our lives by granting salvation which belongs to you and you only. Help us as we set out this week to live for you, to rejoice in the truth that salvation belongs to you and to have true salvation which begins with prayer which desires communion with God, which hopes in God, and which recognizes that salvation belongs to God. Hear our prayers, Lord, for we ask this in Jesus' name.